Well, welcome to episode four of the uh, Red Reporter Podcast 2019 edition. Uh, We're coming to you uh, right after the Reds just picked uh, Texas Christian University left-handed pitcher Nick Lodolo with the number seven overall draft pick uh, in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft. Um, uh, he was the first pitcher taken, which actually ended up breaking a the longest string in draft history of position players. And uh, the kind of consensus coming into this draft was that, obviously, because the Reds have wonderful luck, that there were six prime position player prospects that were all going to go first. And then what the Reds chose to do at number seven was uh, kind of up in the air. But uh, Lodolo seems to be pretty uh, pretty consensus-wise uh, uh, the top pitching prospect in this draft. 6'6 lefty who's uh, skinnier than Chris Sale. Um, but a guy who does project to be a pretty fast mover and a guy who could impact the Reds' rotation uh, sooner rather than later. So with that in mind, we got a couple of uh, um, prospect analysts slash Major League Draft um, uh, specialists on the podcast right now. Uh, joining us from uh, north of the wall, we have uh, Aaron, our, our, our Farmers Only uh, Commando. Um, Aaron, what's going on, buddy? Not a lot. I like the whole Game of Thrones toss in there for – Minnesota, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also joining us is the only uh, Red Reporter writer to ever feature on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine. Um, in uh, in Ohio, we've got uh, the one and only Charlie Scrabbles. What's going on, buddy? Hey, not a whole lot. Uh, how about you guys? Everything's good? Things are good. Things are good for sure. So, um, as for uh, Nick Lodolo, what are your what are your thoughts on the uh, on the pick on the selection of him over uh, going somewhere else on uh, on the fourth uh, Nick drafted in the first round by the Reds? Uh, just kind of general thoughts on everything else, uh, Aaron. What do you think? Um, I think it's just one of those things that I I don't know picking seventh after being so bad, and then you realize everybody else in the major leagues were even worse. You know, you get a pick like this, and I guess that's one of those things why people aren't very excited about it. Um, me looking at it personally, knowing absolutely almost nothing about the draft before we went into this, um, looking at some scouting reports and some videos, I think there's a lot more to be excited there than, you know, probably was laid out there for us to look at ahead of time. I mean, you have a, a kid that's lefty. He throws with almost no effort at all, at least from what I can see. Uh, 92 to 95. He's got two plus pitches. I saw a really, really good slider. Um, he likes to flip up there and at least from the about 10 minutes of video, I was watching a, a change up that he usually uses to get right handers out. But from what I saw, at least in a short amount of video lookup, um, and just that scouting report, I don't know how you could really do much better in this draft at number seven than the guy that they got. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Uh, Mr. Scrabbles, how about you? What are your, what are your thoughts? I think Aaron is totally wrong. I think this guy's <laughs> fine at number seven. Um, but yeah, like uh, like Aaron was saying, um, the, the the videos look really good on the kid. He looked, the slider looks really sharp. Uh, I was pretty excited to see that. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of projection in him for being a uh, – he's a, a college junior. Um, so he's, he's already, what, 20, 21, I think is how, how old he is or whatever. So he's a little farther along than what, you know, like a regular high school draftee would be. Uh, but he's still got some projection in him. Like uh, he's 6'6 and 185 pounds. If he puts on 
you know, another 20 pounds uh, when he, you know, turns into an actual man, then he could have a whole lot. Uh, it could be a completely different pitcher at that point, you know, pitching, pitching with completely different mechanics. And I guess I could go the, the other way now that I'm thinking about it, saying it out loud. But he's got a lot of, <laughs> he's, he's got a lot of projection in him still. I think more than, uh, than what he gets credit for at points, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and and as well as it's you know obviously there are a lot of different uh, angles going along um, with with picking Lodolo first uh, as the first pick of the Reds draft this year. Um, you know, obviously he's a pitcher, and if you look back at the Reds' history of drafting pitchers, um, aside from Mike Leake, uh, well put it this way. Uh, if you look at the Reds history of drafting pitchers in the first round and then developing them into big league starters, um, you can't really even include Mike Leake because he skipped the minors altogether. Uh, so if you remove him from the conversation, you look back at the Reds history of drafting starting pitchers or drafting relievers to try to convert them into starting pitchers. Um, not great, Bob. Uh, you know, uh, you, you look through the uh, the Nick Traviesos and the Nick Howards, and uh, hopefully Robert Stevenson is beginning to give the Reds something at this point. Um, Michael Lorenzen, uh, you know, kind of failed, flamed out as a starter and is providing uh, value in the bullpen and as a reliever at this point. Um, but even going back further than that, uh, the Reds have had some issues going big on pitchers in the first round. So to do this and I know the early reports are that he's going to agree to the full slot amount of $5.43 million. Uh, this isn't even the, uh, an example of the Reds kind of going on a, a pitcher that they like but don't love and then trying to save some money on it as well. It seems like they're fully invested in this kid. So, um, you know, at this point in the rebuild, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, them leaning with going with a pitcher um, and committing that much money to him? And also just a college pitcher as well who will hopefully move quickly uh, when the previous uh, uh, year of drafting starting pitchers hasn't exactly panned out for him. Uh, Charlie, what do you think, man? Yeah, looking back at the the Reds as an organization, not just this particular you know brain trust and uh, the scouts and you know, the coaches and all that stuff, but going back generations, the number of pitchers that they've been able to develop uh, from the draft is, I think they're one of the worst in baseball in uh, in that regard um so they've really they've had a lot of bad luck they've had a lot of bad drafting they've had a lot of uh, a lot of bad things that have happened with <laughs> um so in that context yeah i mean selecting anybody in the draft is going to be a major uh stress issue um but um uh, Again, you know, this is a new – this is a kid coming out this year. He really has nothing to do with the uh, – all of these other pitchers that have had he – he has nothing to do with the, the Brett Tomkos and the Chris Gruelers and, and all of those guys, right? This is a completely um, – this is a new organization um, in a number of different regards. But there – like I said, you know, there there's a lot to like about this kid. Um, I think a lot of kids getting drafted may think twice about being drafted by the Reds, but – um, you know, uh, I'm still optimistic because what the hell? Yeah, for sure. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I think you summed it up pretty good when you brought up Mike Trout. I mean, you're not Mike Trout. <laughs> Mike Lee. Mike Trout. Mike Lee. <laughs> Mike Lee. Steve Holt. Um, but with uh, Mike Leake, uh, the whole thing that the Reds don't draft pitchers that work. And I don't know how many times we've, we've followed a draft and we've looked at a draft that um, – We've looked at pitchers, and the Reds take some guy that they think is projectable, a high school arm. You know, they got this kind of flash mentality thing to it, or, you know, they're going to turn a college reliever into a, a starter, you know, that whole experiment. But 
when you take a guy like, you know, Mike Leake or and Nick Lodolo, I mean, they're almost interchangeable. They're almost the exact same guy when it comes down to it of being a low to mid nineties thrower off speed pitches. You know, they're already refined. They already have the certain amount of pedigree that it kind of takes the, I guess the risk out of it that the reds have typically taken when it comes to pitchers, because either they're picking too late or they're going for something that they think is projectable, which they've really sucked at, at picking up on. Yeah, I think that's really the that's really the key to it is you know going for a high polished guy like Leak or like uh, this kid uh, Ladello. I heard uh, the I think it was uh, John Mayos, the guy on the TV. He pronounced it Ladello, and so I believe that's gospel now. Uh, so that's what I'm going with. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, getting a, a you know a high um, a high polished kid like this out of college is it's a it's a different thing than getting a uh, a high school kid. But but yeah, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. But I think it's even – it goes back to, like, taking – the Reds took Nick Trabieso, Trabieso, however you say his name, over Michael Waka. And when you look at a high school kid compared to a college kid and what they've done in that three years, even this Lodolo guy, I mean, he was he's a first-round draft pedigree, essentially, that said no to $2 million, who now is going to sign for $5 million. I don't care about the money, but – He's more than enough proven himself that he's worth of a number seven draft spot, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that, I think it's an important point to point out is that he was the highest drafted player in the 2016 draft to not sign. I think he went, what, 41st overall in uh, the competitive balance round of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, in well, terms of those guys, they don't get good things. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, but <laughs> so in other words, what, what what that means is is that when he was in high school and what he's done in college, there's been nothing to really dent um, uh, his prospect pedigree in that regard. And it shows that he's been very highly regarded for uh, a long period of time. So he's not one of those guys like, uh, you know, even even Nick Senzel, who was a very fast riser, Jonathan India as well. Uh, guys who were good prospects, but they put in a great final season in college to really shoot up draft boards. Uh, uh, you know, this guy has been uh, on team's radar for four years and has done nothing in his last three seasons to really dent that. So I, I think he does have that going for him. I think it does kind of help cement the – the general consensus that he's only maybe a mid-rotation starter, uh, I think it's probably because of an exposure thing, that he's had a lot of eyes on him for a long time now, and because he was so highly drafted three years ago, um, you know, he's had people dissecting him that long. So, um, you know, it, it's it's also interesting to note that he is a left-handed pitcher, and if anything, the Reds have actually had a little bit of success drafting and developing left-handed pitchers more so than the righties they've taken at the top end of the draft. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a who's who of great pitchers over the last 10 years, uh, but two of the guys that they have taken with relatively high picks uh, that have panned out as legit big league players uh, have been Travis Wood and have been Tony Singrani. So uh, maybe there's something about having a lefty and having to be a little bit different than just your, your stock issue 98-mile-an-hour flame-throwing righty, um, but they have had at least a little bit better track record with that. Uh, that said, uh, the last time they swung big on a um, left-handed starting pitching prospect out of Texas Christian University, it was in the Johnny Cueto trade. Uh, and it was Brandon Finnegan, who obviously has uh, shown some decent flash at the big league level before uh, ripping both shoulders in half within the last two years and hasn't quite put it back together since then. But hopefully this time around, uh, they're going to get a little bit better luck in that regard. Um uh, I, I guess beyond that, was there anybody else who kind of stood out in this draft that you hoped might have fallen to the Reds? Oh, the, uh, the the guy that I was all about was um, the guy who went number three uh, to the White Sox, Andrew Vaughn. He's uh, he's like 5'11", he's a first baseman, and 
he has he's had twice as many walks as strikeouts over the last two seasons. Like the dude just hits. He's one of uh, they're saying on the the internets and the televisions and everybody was saying this he could be one of the best college hitters of all time. And looking at his stuff, like oh man, like I I did a little research for the bit that I wrote there last week and looking at some of his videos, like he he has a really nice looking swing. He's kind of a he kind of moves like a fire hydrant, but the <laughs> the swing is really good looking. So I'm a little sad to miss out on him, but uh, but yeah, there were a lot of um, those top six prospects were all uh, kind of um, they were all intriguing in their own ways. Uh, the top six that went. Um, for me, I'd, I'd pick the same guy. I, I again, I didn't do a whole lot of research at all going into this draft. Um, but just seeing the video of his swing that they were showing on uh, MLB Network, which I would like to just point out now for the internet how awful their coverage of the draft is. But, God, it's terrible. Um, it is, it's one of the worst things I've ever watched. But they did show a video of this guy's swing, which makes up for it, even if that's you know obvious thing that you should do. But that Vaughn that went at third, he would have been a guy I would have loved to drop the seven, even if, you know, they, they said right now he's a guy that you could put in a major league lineup right now. And with that swing, that might be some really heavy praise, but that's one of the prettiest swings I've probably ever seen in a video. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they, they even highlighted his leg kick and mentioned Josh Donaldson as a guy who's uh, swing. It kind of seemed like they, they, they almost had been patterned after. And uh, anytime you're talking about that kind of offensive impact player out there, uh, it's, it's it's certainly easy to fall in love with him and hope he hope it could have fallen to the Reds. But I, I do feel like the Reds did a pretty good job of selecting not just the best player available, but a guy who's got enough so, uh, upside to, to, to warrant that kind of money and that kind of high draft pick. And also a guy who, in theory, Hopefully we'll move quickly to the point where we'll see him as a part of uh, the rebuild that we're seeing the Reds hopefully beginning to emerge out of as well. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Hunter Green is a tremendous talent. Um, injuries aside, uh, he was the kind of guy that you draft and you dream on and you wait four or five years, maybe six years before we ever get a chance to see him. Uh, Lodolo, it seems like it's one of those guys who, if everything goes right, you might see him in two years uh, and maybe even sooner than that. And so uh, I think the intrigue there is also certainly – uh, built up a little bit, especially now that we've got you know Nick Senzel fresh up uh, two and a half years after he was picked as well. So um, hopefully it's the kind of person who's a fast mover, um, but we'll we'll get a chance to to see how that shakes out uh, later on this year. So um, I guess just kind of on the draft as a whole. Uh, the Reds, as their uh, small market, small revenue nature has been over the last, uh, well, pretty much their entire existence, but specifically over the last five, six, seven years, um, they've always had a competitive balance round pick, whether it was round A or round B. Uh, it was one of those picks that you know Major League Baseball put in place in the draft uh, when they put the hard cap system in uh, to allow some of the teams that either don't have high revenues or have small markets uh, to be able to pick up extra early round picks and they've used those to pick some pretty decent players. Uh, I know they pretty much got Michael Lorenzen in a pick like that. They got uh, Alex Blandino a couple years in a pick like that as well. And uh, I think Jesse Winker also, um, they don't have one this year because that was part of the deal they sent to the New York Yankees when they picked up Sonny Gray. Um, I guess, and so that means that they don't pick again until pick number 49, uh, which is in the second round and will happen at some point later tonight once MLB Network stops spending 25 minutes on every single pick. Um, but I guess what are your thoughts on what to expect out of this year's draft as a whole since 
you're not going to see guys like Taylor Trammell uh, even, you know, the, the ability to swing big uh, on a high school guy and throw a big bonus at him because they've got a pick in the 30-ish range. Um, uh, what do you think about the, the strategy of doing that and whether or not that helped play a part in uh, going for a big college guy right off the bat and giving him a full bonus because they're not trying to save money elsewhere? Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Um, I think you see it mostly just from having that trade. I mean, the Reds have always – it seems like from draft to draft, I mean, even a guy like Nick Senzel who was a you know college junior and was second overall, they still signed the guy for under slot value by like what, $1.5 million? Yeah, like, like 1.8, something like that, yeah. Something they can you know go turn into a Taylor Trammell and, and kind of coax him to come play pro ball a bit early. I would expect this year to be much more simplistic. Um that maybe in the second and third rounds, you're probably seeing some more at slot value kind of things. But I think then you start to see in the, in the fourth, fifth, sixth, where they do that high school, that high school or not high school, uh, college senior thing where they're offering them $10,000. Um, I would expect it to be pretty simple. I, I don't expect it to be those big bonuses that we've seen in the past. Not that the reds don't spend on amateur players like this. Cause they obviously do. Um, it's just this draft is a lot different than what they've had in the past when it comes to competitive balance picks. Yeah, you know, it, it, even last year with Jonathan India, they got him for under slot as well, and that allowed him to go big on Mike Siani in, what, the fourth round, I guess, and throw a $2 million bonus at him in the fourth round to send him out of high school and keep him from going to Virginia. Um, yeah, you know, Charlie, what do you think, man? Like, it, it seems like this is kind of one of those things where uh, the draft strategy that they put in place – today and tomorrow and Wednesday uh, seems like it kind of must have had um, a, a, a distinct uh, commitment to doing that when they made the sunny gray trade uh, a couple months ago. You know, it, it strikes me uh, these uh, past few years, which we've been um, operating under the, uh, the Dick Williams regime. They, it seems like they've had a very deliberate strategy throughout the entire thing. And, and one that they're not terribly open about, but one that, with a little bit of uh, reading between the lines, it, it's pretty clear to see that they they have a pretty clear idea of what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And a lot of a lot of a lot of dick moves. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, I think this falls right into that. You know, I mean, they are they very deliberately went out this winter and they they bolstered the major league team so that they could get the get the rebuild to the next level to where we're, you know, beyond the collecting top five pick phase and we're moving into the getting towards contention phase. And uh, when you are uh, hoarding uh, amateur talent like that and trying to, to build up the farm system, guys like Mike Siani are really valuable at doing that, right? You, you get uh, Taylor Strammel like that. And, uh, this is not that phase of the rebuild anymore. And I, that's really, I don't know, I'm really excited about that, right? I mean, it would be great to be able to pick up another pick here. But, you know, Sonny Gray is one of the best pitchers in the National League so far this year. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm okay with uh, where we are with it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously they gave up Shed Long in that trade as well. So uh, they, they, they did literally shed some uh, top-tier uh, minor league baseball talent. Whoa! Whoa! The long con. I was waiting for that one. Um, uh, but they did actually pick up, they, they did pick up Reaver San Martin as well in that deal. Who's a 23 year old is currently in high a and probably will be at double a at some point after this draft where, uh, when rookie league starts and all the, the rosters begin to shake out a little bit. So they did get another prospect who looks like he would have been 
roughly about the same value as picking 35th or 37th or whatever it would have been um, at that juncture as well. So they did kind of backfill in that regard. Um, for me, it, just kind of like extrapolating down the road, and who knows if this is at all true, but it's, it's kind of fun to think about. The Reds have spent so much time over the last few years focusing on trades. Uh, previous years, it was trades to restock the farm system while they sold off their veterans. This past winter, it was trade uh, fringe average prospects to get uh, fringe big leaguers because of their salary and control uh, purposes uh, from other teams or, or players that were too expensive on teams that were up against luxury tax stuff, just kind of exploiting weaknesses in the market uh, out there. Uh, you look up now and and their decision to kind of punt on having a competitive balance round pick when that's been such a uh, a solid spot for them to kind of pluck an extra really good top tier player in the draft. Um, it also coincides with them, in theory, if they don't make any other moves, shedding some 63 to $65 million off the payroll at the end of this year. Uh, it almost makes you wonder if they've been gearing up this entire time to say, hey, after this winter, that's when we're going to start shelling out contracts and getting big league guys. We're not hoarding prospects anymore. Uh, and we didn't need that pick at this juncture in time to be able to kind of have that because we're focusing more on the next three, four years. And uh, this has been the plan the whole time. Yeah, it's just been it's been one big one big <laughs> eight year uh, uh, window for uh, for Dick Williams and Nick Crawl and company. But it'll be obviously interesting to see how that plays out down the road because we've got plenty more of that to find out about. So. Um, but yeah, we, we've gonna get we're gonna get another pick tonight at some point, and even the second round. I mean, you, you draft number forty nine overall. Uh, you look at you know, obviously we mentioned the competitive balance round guys, uh, but if you look at the players that were picked either as the second pick by the Reds in a draft or as the second round picks for Reds in the draft, and you've seen a lot of good players picked up in that second round too. Uh, Joey Votto, obviously, was a second-round pick. Um, yeah! Woo! Uh, Zach Cozart was a second-round pick. Uh, Travis Wood, who we talked about earlier, was also a second-round pick. Hey, guys, so, hey guys, do you remember when Travis Wood almost pitched a perfect game? I do. Uh, I remember. And still lost that game. They did do, you remember, that game. do you remember when Travis Wood made an all-star team with the fucking Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's let's do let's do bad Travis Wood memories night. We got we got you know, remember earlier when you said the only two successful lefties that the Reds drafted were uh, Travis Wood and uh, Singrani, and they both turned up to be bullpen. Yeah. God, this team sucks at drafting pitching. Oh well, we've got Amir Garrett too. I can't. I guess we can't forget Amir Garrett. So hopefully, Tyler Malley, dude. Tyler Malley. He was what a sixth round pick. Tyler Malley's my boy. Todd Malik's not a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching games in the mirror, Charlie Scrabbles? Uh, uh, I thought you were talking pictures. Come on, man. Hmm. Anywho, uh, no, we, we should do a Travis Wood memory night. We've got to make sure we get an Arkansas Reds fan on for that one. So, um, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we can talk, uh, talk Cliff Lee and Travis Wood and bow hunting and uh, uh, looking like Dale Hernard Jr. and all the above. Yeah. So, um, there's a flavors of skull. Oh, skull, some bandits, straight Copenhagen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess with that, um, any other thoughts on where the Reds are right now? Any other Redsy, Reds related Redsness that you guys want to touch on real quick? They could try winning more. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? They, they should. They should not face Max Scherzer more often. 
That sucks. I watched that whole game, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm watching this game. They're not going to beat Max Scherzer. The Reds never beat Max Scherzer. I, I will say, watching that game, and it's something that obviously if you look at the stats and if you paid any attention whatsoever to just general baseball over the last, what, 12 years, uh, Max Scherzer's a walk-in first ballot Hall of Famer for me. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think he's actually going to end up being kind of the poster boy for uh, the modern era of uh, of baseball analytics and shrinking pitch counts and third time to the order guys and all the above because he's in his mid thirties and he is just still gassing guys left and right. And uh, it's, he's one of the few pitchers that's been able to continuously buck the mold of the, the modern major league baseball starter. And he does it basically across the board. It's not because he's got one thing. It's not because he's a knuckleballer or whatever. Uh, he throws hard. He throws great pitches. He locates and he strikes you the fuck out. Um, he's he's the best pitcher of this generation, and I think it's kind of no contest at this point. Plus, he's got two different colored eyes. On his bust for the Hall of Fame, do they put down his two different colored eyes? Can you do that? Can you do, like, like one bronze one eye? They put a, do they put on, like, a Tiger's cap and a Nationals cap, but then two different colored eyes as well? Can you do, like, wow. a, like, a, like a brass eye and, like, a copper eye on the bust? <laughs> <laughs> Will they rust differently? <laughs> He's pretty much a Siberian Husky. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just to close, just uh, as a uh, uh, Fishbones mentioned, they should start winning more, right? They are eighth right now in run differential in all of Major League Baseball. That's not just National League. They're the eighth best team in run differential. The winning is going to start right now. You know, you know, I've mentioned it a couple times over the course of the last few months, but I think it bears repeating now, especially because we're starting to see some of it trickle down. Uh, the Reds started this season, if you, and I'm not saying this is my opinion, but if you pulled a lot of Reds fans on whatever, March 23rd or a week before the season started, uh, on who the best pitcher the team had, the best hitter the team had, and the best prospect the team had, there are a lot of people that would have said the best pitcher was Alex Wood, the best hitter was Scooter Jeanette, and the best prospect was Nick Senzel. And the Reds played five weeks, six weeks without all three of them. Finally got Senzel back up, and you look at the way that they've played since they got him up, and they look like a shitload better team. Um, they're going to get Scooter back in the next two weeks or so. What the hell happens I'm to the roster? I'm damn mind if they put him at second base and Dietrich is sitting, though. If he's playing right field because Yasiel Puig and then crap, or if Winker's in right and Dietrich's in left, it'll work itself out. Um, we're going to do a whole podcast episode on what the hell happened. Put it this way. What I'm getting at is in the next couple of weeks, they're going to get back two players that if you'd ask a lot of people in March, Alex Wood and Scooter Jeanette could have been the best hitter and best pitcher on the team. And they haven't had any of those guys all year. They finally got Senzel up, and they've been playing – Infinitely better baseball since then. Uh, I, I think the Reds still have the best of their 2019 vintage left in them. Um, maybe they just they, they they pop the bottle and have been letting it air out for two months, but I think they're going to pour and chug at some point later on this uh, this season. And I'm excited as hell to see what they do. I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of playing time because it's going to be a roster glut that's uh, clogged as hell. But it's going to be a good problem to have, you know. You just wait. The month of July, Vada's going to hit ten dingers. Ten mm-hmm. dingers. A ten. A fucking ten. ten. Fourth of July. So, um, anything else? 
No, I think that's uh, I think that's good, boss. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah. Nick Nick Ladulo Ladulo. Ladello, like Lodello. rhymes with the beer, Modello. Nick, uh, Nick, 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 Yellow Dillo. Um, welcome to the Reds, Nick, and I hope that uh, you become the next great Reds pitching prospect. Because no, not just the next great Reds pitching prospect, the next great Reds pitcher, because they've had a lot of good prospects. Great Reds pitcher that actually pans out. Yeah, yeah, uh, because uh, they could certainly use one. There's, there's no denying that they've got a couple good ones right now, but. Better the pipeline, the better the team. So, um, well, good stuff, guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, everybody listening out there, you can find us on the World Wide Web at worldwideweb.redreporter.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Red Reporter no Fans. Uh, don't don't get on Facebook. Just no don't no do Facebook. that. Um, anyway, uh, super highway. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find us on iTunes and, uh, SoundCloud and I don't know, like five other places BK signed up for like five years ago that I just like clicked renew on. Um, anyway, for the red reporter podcast, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Charlie Scrabbles for joining us this time around. And we will see you guys at some point next week. Thanks fellas.